This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, at obsessiveviewer.com. <laughs> and you can find more of our podcasts at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. We have a, a couple spinoff podcasts. We were, One is called Tower Junkies, where Tiny and I uh, talk about Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. And I have a solo podcast called Anthology, which I review the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and other modern and classic science fiction anthology series. You can find those at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts and finally you can also like us on facebook and join the facebook group at facebook.com slash slash the obsessive viewer jeez and uh and finally finally you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer at the minimum rate of one dollar per month for an exclusive rss feed with content recorded specifically for patreon supporters uh tied to this episode we just recorded a Patreon exclusive episode that was uh, kind of about our hometown traditions and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, and me lamenting how ridiculous I am taking on so many podcast projects. <laughs> um, so, oh, and speaking of podcast projects, uh, check me out on a guest spot on the fabulous uh, "You're Gonna Love This or Not" podcast from the Geeking in Indiana family of podcasts. Uh, I was on that show last week, is when the episode dropped. Uh, such a blast! I wa- was brought on to talk about Short Circuit Two, and uh, Matt and Josh are great guys over there, and I'm super uh, happy that I was invited over there, and it was a lot of fun. So check that out at. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. I can't remember if they're, what their, what their URL is, if it's YGL, uh, T-O-N dot com. Check them out at, uh, Y-G-L-T-O-N. You're going to love this or not. Yes. Um, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also just check out geekinginindiana.com. So tiny. Yes, sir. I'm going to take a sip of my water real quick. Okay. It's compelling podcasting. Oh, God. Okay. Um, I did forget to mention, before we get into our reviews of uh, the last two episodes of Game of Thrones, uh, on the Patreon feed, I was going to ask you a very specific question. (laughs) Uh, Completely spaced it. So I'll go ahead and ask it here. Um, As we're going to discuss the final episodes of of a TV show that we followed for years... Um, what stands out in like your history as a television viewer as, um, a show that you followed as closely or as loyally as Game of Thrones that you either, uh, were disappointed by the finale or impressed by the finale? Like, do any of those stand, like, do any shows in your history stand out as, as sticking the landing, not sticking the landing, um, or just, in terms of, have you ever had like a series that was comparable in your anticipation of the final season and final episodes? I mean, Lost obviously jumps mm-hmm. to mind, and I think they stuck the landing on that one, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's not 
the typical consensus. Right. Um, and then another one that comes to mind is Sopranos. Oh, I yeah, you watched that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, a lot of people were really anticipating that mm-hmm. last season and uh, the finale especially. And I think most people were just like, that was weird. Yeah. And they they weren't crazy about it. And I was kind of the same way. I was like, oh, it's just kind of a weird way to end it. And mm-hmm. it wasn't awful, but it wasn't good either. Hmm. So, um, uh, Sons of Anarchy, I think oh, that yeah. show, the last two to three seasons just fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was just a, such a mess mm-hmm. and I just didn't care that much. I honestly don't, uh, didn't realize that you finished it. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I stuck with yeah. it the whole time. Um, and yeah, it just, I, I think the last two seasons were completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was seven seasons. Um, sure. And I, I, I think I'm, I'm almost positive. I've said this before on the show. I think five seasons, roughly 60 episodes is like the perfect format for yep. almost any story. Totally. Um, and I think they obviously exceeded that and it, mm-hmm. it really dragged the last couple seasons in my opinion. So hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, for me, just, uh, Lost is the one that stands out. That's the one that's kind of the shining example of like the show mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that I was most excited about. A uh, series that I followed that I that I lost interest in and kind of stuck with. The one that really jumps to mind is Twenty Four. Yeah, Twenty Four. Um, like I remember, I remember the moment when I found out that like oh the current season that's airing is going to be the last season of Twenty Four, and I was just like, it wasn't like I was upset by it because that was like my favorite show for years right um but like i had like no reaction to it i was just like all right cool (laughs) yeah and like i feel like that show really shit the bed um in the last couple of seasons um i think that i think the format also kind of um hurt that show a little bit yeah because 24 episodes right is that eight seasons uh nine seasons nine seasons that is so much television it really is i mean that's just it really is and i and i feel like timing hurt it for that reason too Mm because i feel like formats were changing to to fewer episodes but Mm -hmm. maybe longer or you know that that was all changing and it was Mm -hmm. it had to kind of cling to that format and i think that kind of hurt it yes and that's like when like kind of uh, basic cable started coming out with like like the the shield was running like kind of in tandem with right, 24 right and like those like you said 13 episode seasons um just much more uh confined storytelling i guess right. um and, and it's funny because like the final season of 24 just i just i was just like okay kind of unaffected by it and then like i just i never bothered watching like 24 legacy or yeah. 24 live another day which both of those were shortened like 13 episode seasons. Oh my gosh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so I'm like I just don't I like even with that I was just like I'm okay. I don't even really remember the the last season of 24. Yeah, I I don't think I do either. And I may, it may have been 8 seasons, I don't know. Should uh, yeah. we start a 24 podcast? Nope. Okay. Negative. I did I did have that idea where we should do a 24 podcast where we uh, stay up all night and then watch as many episodes as we can. Oh, my God. Um, I'd be asleep in five minutes. Yes. Um, but enough preamble and everything. Yeah. We're here to talk about Game of Thrones. We are. Yes. So, um, where to begin? Oh, I know exactly where to begin. Uh, before we get into the actual episodes, today we're going to be talking about episodes, uh, episodes five and six of season eight, The Bells and The Iron Throne, uh, which are the two final episodes of Game of Thrones. And before we do that, um, Tiny. Yep. I, 
so I, uh, um, I was trying to think of a witty way to present this, but I just, I'm so tired <laughs> of, of it all. But, uh, the petition. Yeah. Yeah. So you, we were talking before recording that you said that you had seen headlines and everything about it. Yeah. Um, let me go ahead and break it down for you and for the listeners who aren't aware of it and also ones in the future who just don't have context for what happened. Um, this season has been pretty, pretty lambasted by the, by the internet hive mind. And there was a a petition that was posted on change.org where the, um, the kind the kind of point of the petition was like okay we're going to we're going to um <laughs> this petition is like dear hbo we the undersigned are uh requesting that you remake season 8 of game of thrones <laughs> um and do it right and this fucking petition got a million and some signatures i know is that high yeah it was like and like okay first of all and i've i've I said this on Twitter and like, I don't usually like to do this whole, like, I don't like being this, um, I guess provocative would be the word, <laughs> but, uh, I think my tweet was something to the effect of if you literally think if, if anyone legitimately thinks that a petition, an online petition will convince HBO to completely remake the final season of game of Thrones, then those people are are dumber than anything the writers could have done in this season. <laughs> like it's just like it is the it is a moronic thing. Yeah. Um. So annoying. But the the kind of extra wrinkle to that is that uh the person who created the petition posted an update. <laughs> and okay, so this was and this is kind of funny because I think one of the Assuming that he, this guy Dylan, who created the petition, assuming that he is of the thought that, and I think he he said as much in the update, he's of the thought that the show has been inconsistent in its quality, and and the final season has been, uh, hasn't been properly developing characters and everything like that. Um, but he, um, somewhat ironically, uh, his update was as weirdly tonally inconsistent as he was complaining the the series or the show was because he said oh i didn't i didn't like honestly i just i just uh i just did this kind of on a lark and i was uh just trying to vent about the final season and then a week later one of my coworkers was like hey is this you um <laughs> and suddenly it's got this much and it's like okay well that's that's crazy i can't believe that it's got this much and everything um obviously i don't think it's anything will happen or anything but it's just cool that you know people think the same or whatever and then also he he put in this weird uh joker um quote he said as Heath as Heath Ledger's joker says it's not about the money it's about a message and it's like okay oh, okay <laughs> um and like i think it was like uh, Matt Zoller sites or some, some TV critic on Twitter was, was like, um, it might've been Alan Sepinwall, but anyway, they were like, I was, or maybe Drew McQueenie. Anyway, it's anyone, uh, name drop. Um, they, uh, they were like, I, I was with this. I, I was with this. And like, when I read the Joker quote, I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of a funny gag or whatever. Then I realized he wasn't speaking ironically. Oh God. <laughs> and it's, 
oh, it's just a mess. But the, the kind of money shot of that update is that he ends it. Like, after saying, that, like, oh, I just did this to vent and everything, he ended it with saying, like, I'll keep you guys posted in case HBO contacts me. Oh, like, shut up. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, what the... <laughs> f- like, what... How fucking delusional do you have to be to think that? Right. Ugh. How many soapboxes do you have stacked up it, exactly. that you're standing on? And it's like, like, <laughs> like I don't understand the uh, mentality of this. Like, does he does he think that there's a chance that HBO is going to be like, oh, hey, Dylan, Dylan, Reddit user, um, <laughs> we got we got your petition. Love your enthusiasm. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, you 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 know, you gave us you gave us quite the. Quite the uh, tongue lashing there, but hey, <laughs> hey, it's it's okay. You you definitely know what you're saying. You, oh you, my god! When you have like uh, one nineteenth of the of the uh, viewing numbers of the finale alone behind you, we we win twenty Emmys every year. But you're right, right. exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> so how do you, uh, Joe Q Reddit user, uh, think we should redo the season? <laughs> god. Oh God. Anyway, and that that kind of. Can, and we'll talk more about this in general as we go on, but like that is kind of indicative of just the internet and like the the kind of uh, discourse, like pop culture discourse on the internet these days. Right. And like I think we've talked about it in some capacity here and there on the podcast, definitely during like Star Wars and everything. But like, just I like I am of the thought that okay, you can have. Anyone, like, everyone is entitled to their opinion of a piece of art. Like, that is what we do is we talk about how we feel about, about movies and TV. That's our thing. Yeah. Um, that's fine. When you come across someone who has a different opinion that should, in theory, create, like, a very healthy and interesting debate about your differ- differing viewpoints. But the moment that you transcend that to think that you are owed anything um or that or that you or that if you if you take a uh if you take an opposing viewpoint of something that you're a fan of personally like it's not it's not a it's not a discussion anymore it's just like people taking things personally and people taking uh their entitled attitudes about like uh, how things should be way too far See also Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> right. Um so anyway, anyway, I just I've been so annoyed by all that. Um Tiny, yeah. you're kind of I know you don't really use Reddit or uh Twitter that much or anything. No, I don't. So good for you. Yeah. Um but do you like catch any of this? Do you like are you are you kind of privy to this? Has it annoyed you at all recently or I mean I I'm privy to it because Twitter's news, mm-hmm. and so you know, there's a lot of internet news sites that I follow via other forms of social media. Facebook, all I'm on is Facebook. I don't have Instagram mm-hmm. or Twitter, or uh, I don't really use Reddit, um, mm-hmm. any other stuff like that. So really, it's just Facebook. Okay. Um, and so I've I, they will come uh, a lot of news sites that I follow will compile Twitter reactions and right. Twitter memes and stuff like that. And I find those entertaining as hell. Yeah. Um, oh, the memes are fantastic. Yeah. But even yeah. just the, the, the Twitter comments and stuff like mm-hmm. that, the, the stuff that people come up with is, is funny, but it's also the stuff like you're saying, it's the, the pettiness and the, yeah. um, uh, 
yeah, just yeah. the that all that chaos, yes, <laughs> lack of dialogue, people shouting mm. over each other. Essentially, um, it's not constructive, really. Um, yeah. But I'm aware that it exists and that people. I think, I think the majority consensus is that this season was a bit of a failure. Yeah, I think I've, that. Yeah, I've got, I, I know that that's the case. I've I've read that that's the case, despite the fact that I don't. That I don't have, I have Twitter, but I'm not on there ever. So, right. Yeah. At obsessive tiny on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I. Yeah. It's. I don't know. I'll. We'll talk more about that as we go through these last two episodes. I think. Right. But for now, it's just I'm so tired of that, and I think that there is a certain level of, um poetic justice to the fact that uh david benioff and db weiss are going to be uh heading up the next star wars franchise right because i've just i've seen the level of as you put it pettiness and just vitriolic reaction and everything to this final season of game of thrones which honestly i was not a big fan of this season of game of thrones and like we'll talk about that and we have talked about it but like i'm not fucking posting petitions to have it change because i'm not a freaking psychopath right um but and i'm only somewhat of a loser (laughs) but um but uh but i just i love the poetic justice of like okay these guys who are at the helm of one of the biggest TV franchises of all time um, have gotten Ryan Johnson uh, in their final season, <laughs> and now they are going to be at the helm of a Star Wars uh, trilogy. And I just i i love i i love how salty the uh, the Game of Thrones Game of Thrones fans who are in that space on the Venn diagram that that also makes them Star Wars fans. Yeah. Um. That also makes them entitled fans of thing of things. Right. I just I love the idea of them having to uh having to <laughs> being forced to be entertained by these two guys who uh by in their opinion fumbled the last season of one of their favorite shows right. and. Like I, I just love the idea of them doing Star Wars for that reason. Yeah, it is funny. Uh, I think part of it is that the way that modern television and film art has evolved is that is that um, like like franchise franchising takes precedent almost over anything else. Mm. And it's like you, you need to have multiple stories. You need to release multiple titles. Yeah. And obviously, television has always been you know multiple season thing. But yeah. it's like, um, films are that way now. And it's like a lot of TV shows are based on books series now. And it's mm-hmm. like it's just all franchise is king for everything. Yeah. And like it's it's good and bad. But I don't think as an audience we've evolved along with that. Right. that evolution we we haven't evolved along with the art because or maybe we have but it's just it's taken such a turn because it's like the franchise means multiple stories multiple mm-hmm. titles there's and, and and when you do that not everything can be a home run you know right. you can't hit a home run every time you come to the plate mm-hmm. to use a sports term right. um <laughs> and and you have to learn to you have to understand that give and take mm-hmm. and like yeah, okay, these last six episodes, <laughs> this last season, a lot of people didn't like it, and it wasn't great, but what about 
the four to five or eight or ten seasons. Yes. Or, I'm sorry, uh, episodes uh, in season six that were fantastic. Right. Or seasons one through four that were really mm-hmm. great. Like, I understand you're not happy with it, but like, it's, I don't know. It's just like, you don't, you don't have, you're not entitled to anything. You don't have a right just because right. you love something that was so great that it, when it ended or like at this part in the middle, it wasn't as good. Like, it doesn't mean that it sucks. It doesn't mean that, I don't know. It's just, people are, people are outraged. So outraged that yeah. a million of them went to a website and put their name on it. Right. Like that's, that's crazy. Ugh. That's too much. It's yeah. just, and, and that's a common thing now. That's, oh yeah. Um, and the, it's the weird. final thing, and then we'll get into the episode reviews. Uh, Nikolai Castorwaldo, who Castorwald, Castorwaldo, um, who played uh, Jamie Lannister, uh, posted this great Instagram uh, video that I'll play for you, and then I'll, I'll put the audio in, in the episode <laughs> itself. Okay, so here is uh, Nikolai Castorwaldo's uh, uh, reaction video to the news that uh, Game of Thrones had uh, the like sets the Game of Thrones finale set an all-time HBO ratings record. So, how about that? Um, final episode. Uh, most viewers ever but it's over it's kind of sad but what a what a great 10 years uh, thank you so much for watching um, just grateful and uh, how about that episode it was amazing I mean I really thought it was it was a great ending and and Aria Aria's See, now, I know they're doing all these prequels, but what about the sequel with Arya? How about, I'm just throwing something out there. How about a petition, an online petition to HBO that they do a sequel with Arya Stark? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I really like it. He uh, hashtagged it, uh, hashtag Arya Stark sequel. Um like he just, he seems he seems like just a genuinely like cool dude. Yeah. Um nice. But yeah, so anyway, um so yeah, uh we should talk about the episodes. Yes. Um yes. So uh first up is episode 5, The Bells, uh, which was the obviously penultimate episode and Tiny, would you mind reading the plot description courtesy of IMDb? Yes, uh it's very brief. Mm-hmm. Forces have arrived at King's Landing for the final battle. Yes. And uh yeah, so this episode had quite a bit to it and I really wish I would have been able to rewatch it um, before recording but um yeah it, it's so this episode starts out with uh varus um kind of uh, trying to um coordinate things uh trying to trying to usurp danny and trying right. to he's basically committing treason and he uh there was a scene in like the the opening scene of the episode where he uh, one of his one of his little spiders comes in from the uh, kitchen. Sparrows, spy uh, spider. Like he has Is it little spiders? spiders. I thought it was sparrows. Yeah. I thought it was little birds. No, huh. uh, I don't. Spiders, yeah, it's spiders. Okay. I think, or he's the spider. I don't, I don't remember. But anyway, um, so he 
talks to her and like i don't know if you caught this when when it aired because i didn't until i uh read about it later but um he's telling her like because uh, what's her name um Danny is all upset and depressed and everything, and so she's not eating. And Varys is like, well, keep trying. You know, she has to eat sometime or whatever. And, like, it's just kind of a somewhat subtle uh, kind of thing. Like, okay, he's already trying to poison her and murder her. Right. And, like, I was like, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty crazy. I didn't pick up on that during the episode. Yeah. Until, yeah, it was mentioned later on mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah, so I... I liked that. And then from there we get like, he, he speaks to John, but John's all like, no, I don't. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't, I don't want the throne. Well, what are you talking about? And then, as I said in our previous review, like, doesn't that just make you want him to be on the throne more? <laughs> um, it he, does. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, so, so Tyrion tells Danny and Danny has very, very executed, which two things about that. One, Gorgeous cinematography in this shot where Danny is standing, pitch black darkness behind her, in front of Varys, and uh, after Varys has told Tyrion, like, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, um, and everything, and then the dragon just kind of comes into the light from from the darkness. Right. Really cool imagery, like I like that. That was very cool. Um, but and then then Varys is executed. Uh, and all that happens in like the first like five ten minutes of the episode, right? And it's that's again, and it's going to be kind of a broken record here, but it, I feel like that, like that, in terms of what happened, is good. Like I like I like the way that that plot line ended up, but ever like everything in the season, it's too quick. Too there's no time for it to breathe. Like last episode, we saw Varys and Tyrion talking about, uh, like debating like who should who should rule the rule the realm and like if like how Varys wants to you know get rid of Danny and everything, and all that's fine, but it's like it was too on the nose, it was too upfront, and here in the opening moments of the episode, that entire plotline is just nixed. Right, right. And it's just I don't know. It just. The whole season yeah. was just abrupt. Yes. Like, I really thought these six episodes were going to feel longer. Mm-hmm. I really thought it was going to be enough time mm-hmm. to do all this, and it just wasn't. I agree. And it's like... And it gets to the point where I kind of feel like, okay, looking back on these six episodes, um, there is such a small amount of time to tell to tell the story of this season. And there are so many loose threads and plot lines that need to be wrapped up and everything. So by that, by that scenario alone, everything is quick. Everything, everything is done. There's no, there's no like long stretches of time where like episodes pass while plot lines get resolved at a slow pace. But on the other hand, it's like there's the stuff that is addressed, the plot lines and the character arcs that are, um, focused on in these six episodes are kind of scant like there's really as much plot as as much as these episodes have been plot driven there isn't that much plot or at least it didn't feel like to me there was that much plot it's like Mm -hmm. okay we have winterfell we have uh the night king and his army and then okay now we need to deal with cersei and then now we need to you know in the last episode deal with danny but everything is just like it's just 
doesn't feel like the like George R. R. Martin type of like dense world building and character interactions. Right. Yeah. It was yeah, I mean just abrupt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, like I see I think I think there was just a crap ton of plot actually. I yeah. I, I kinda disagree with that. I, th- okay. I j- just yeah, I feel like they were just hitting us with stuff mm-hmm. left and right. That's that's kinda how I felt. Um mm-hmm. especially in the previous episode number four, it's like, you know, all these characters there's so much character clashing which typically that would be done very methodically oh like over a season and it was the stuff that was crammed into not just one episode but one scene and it's just like whoa 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 you're just hitting me over the head with it or just you know throwing this right in my face right away it's like holy crap Mm -hmm. i'm not used to this this is not in tune with the pace and style of this show yeah historically and it just and it's funny because my my biggest reaction to this last season has been I have I've actually enjoyed the plot the the mm. plot that they came come up came up with and how these stories concluded I thought I was satisfied with and I thought that it was a good way to wrap up storylines mm-hmm. it's just the way they did it yeah and the way they just I don't they didn't abandon their characters but man they just whizzed right by him they yeah i mean they, it was really egregious they they did and and i agree um which was one of the strongest parts of the show was how how well-rounded and right interesting and f- just fantastic the characters mm-hmm. were right so, so let's talk about the plot in the events of the bells yes so after after various is dispatched and everything um basically from what i remember it's like basically they're going going to war and so last we left like aria and the hound were going to king's landing the hound was going to go uh face off against his brother aria was going to go to kill cersei um jamie (laughs) jamie left brienne um, I said in the last episode, like, I was like, I do not buy that he is going back to Cersei because he loves Cersei. I'm, I'm, I was 100% believing that he was going back to murder her or to like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I even specifically said that I, like, I was so sure that I said, like, I referred to it as, um, like if he were going back to be with Cersei, Um, like I, I felt like it was a red herring that, that like the, I felt like him saying that he was going back to be with Cersei because he's always been, you know, evil or whatever. Um, I felt like that was such a flimsy character turn at that moment that like I even said in the episode that I don't buy the fiction that the writers are selling us. Cause I thought like that was just a sloppy way to conceal that he's actually going to go to kill Cersei. Mm. Um, imagine my surprise right. when he was going back to be with Cersei and like eh, a lot of stuff that we're going to be echoing a lot. And we're probably going to jump around a little bit cause this is later in the episode, but um, I like the scene between him and Cersei when like their death scene. I thought that was really powerful, very emotional. So did I. Yeah. Like the, the emotion in, uh, Lena Headey's performance, like when she is, cause she's been this strong, psychotic, um, very, um, intimidating, uh, character throughout, like, especially these last, ever since the shame thing. Yeah. Um, and this is just her breaking down entirely. And like, she's like, it, it hit hard when she was like, when she was saying like, I not, not like this, not like yeah. this. I don't want it to be like this. 
um, just really powerful. But everything leading up to that, I'm like, what? Like, it just felt like it was, it felt like you, and this is going to be kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say shitty, but it's like, it felt like it felt like this was being written by people that don't understand how to put like i i would have it doesn't feel like these that these writers for this show have been writing for the show for 10 years yeah because it felt like they were just putting people in places just to have these payoff moments mm-hmm. but not putting in the work to to organically get them in those places yes yeah exactly yeah yeah i th- i think the character of cersei is the most fascinating when mm-hmm. when she when her humanity is exposed yeah and and that's i think we had that one of my favorite moments of that is uh at the end of episode 4 um where uh she, he's uh, she's speaking to Tyrion mm-hmm. she's up on the rampart of the castle at king's landing and she's just she's just evil as can be like yeah. a snake with Very a crown cold. i mean just and then he brings up her children mm mm-hmm. And just the way her aura, her whole aura and appearance just changes. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal acting by Lena Headey. Yeah. Um, that moment was just utterly fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I think that's, that is just fantastic storytelling and great character mm-hmm. interaction and all that. Um, and I commend them for those moments. And I feel like this, her final scene with Jamie was, was a similar, a similar moment where she's, she's, she's carved down to her core of what her humanity is. And she still loves her brother still in love, in love with him and they love each mm-hmm. other. And that in that moment, I, I thought that was another one of those key Cersei moments where I'm glued to the screen. Cause she's, yeah. she's just, she's cut, she's carved down to her humanity and it's mm-hmm. just fascinating to see such an evil person. Yeah. You kind of, you feel some sympathy for her and right. you, don't want to feel sympathy for it, but you can't help it. And totally that that's, that's a sign of, of quality character work mm-hmm. and, and writing and all that. Um, but you're right. The way they got there and the, the it's, it's a payoff that they didn't earn, I guess. Yeah. Through their writing. Oh yeah. Or they earned it, but they didn't, I don't know how to explain it. You said it better. Mm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you did. <laughs> um, um, but let's talk about how they got there because we skipped over a little bit there. Right. <laughs> um, so rewinding, uh, Tyrion talks to Danny. Danny tells him that, oh, we captured your brother. Uh, he was on his way to wherever. Um, and so we get the final scene between Tyrion and Jamie. And that scene, um, may go down as one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. Yeah. Um, because Tyrion is, um, freeing Jamie and he's telling, telling him like, go, go to the Red Keep, get, get Cersei. There's a, there's a passage through the dungeon where they have the skeleton, the dragon skeleton or dragon skull. Um, it'll take you out to this, to this, uh, little boat that you can go, go sail off somewhere, start a new life, live, like live, just live in, in anonymity and everything. And just like the the dynamic between Tyrion and Jamie like that character dynamic between those two characters and those two actors the chemistry between them has been far and away one of my favorite like 
pairings in the entire series because you just you feel like the the love that they share with each other mm-hmm. and it was especially like and i love that it was called like it called back to season four when uh jamie freed Tyrion um after the mountain and the viper right um and just i just oh i i was so heartbroken by that scene and just i thought that it was just really well done did you get any of that How did you oh feel? absolutely and, and i think some people complained because that's happened a few times between them like like you mentioned they mm-hmm. had these very heartfelt goodbyes yeah um but i i this one just really felt different i think they mm-hmm. they both truly knew this is the last time they were going to see each other yeah regardless of how things went um and i again phenomenal acting on yeah the part of Nikolai Kostrowaldo and uh, mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage just yeah. fantastic uh, from both of them. And like, you know, having a brother in real yeah. life is, you know, I obviously hugely related to that. Same. Um, yeah, I really, that was again, great writing and mm-hmm. just and terrific acting. And that's, yep. that was a bright point of this episode. Totally. And, sure. and we're jumping ahead. A, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, even jumping ahead to like next week's episode, but um, uh, Peter Dinklage I mean, this, the cast of Game of Thrones is spectacular all around. And throughout the run of the show, it has some phenomenal, uh, performers in the series. But Peter Dinklage, I, like, this was, uh, in terms of, like, a, just a run of 73 episodes, Tyrion Lannister, uh, as played by Peter Dinklage, is, like, one of the, like one of the great like arcs i i would say like it just Definitely. really phenomenal performance from peter dinklage throughout the entire run totally and he's i mean he's been the uh he's been the voice of reason mm-hmm. and the he's been the character he's been the glue that's held all this everything together amongst the chaos of mm-hmm. eight seasons and yeah all these years i mean that yeah. that and all these characters that he's touched and and been involved with and some of them died some of them lived mm-hmm. and it's he's managed to it, the whole world should have devolved into chaos and i think mm-hmm. it would have without Tyrion Lannister yeah and 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 i think <laughs> i mean He's such a specific, unique character. Like, you know, you have to find an actor who can pull off all these unbelievable mm-hmm. scenes and also has to be a little person. Right. Like, the, not a lot of options Yeah, when it comes to that, you know? And Peter Dinklage was literally the perfect choice. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot of other little people actors, but... Right. Um, you know, he, he, was, he was just the best, the best choice, and he's... He hit it out of the park for ten years. Oh yeah, yeah. And to kind of also speak to the fact that he is that he is a little person. Like, I love that. Like that, because like okay, before before Game of Thrones, like he was in Elf, in right. Elf. Um, and he like that was like kind of just. I know that he had roles like that that were specifically about like oh his his him being a little person and kind of. Being a, like, that is all, like, he was typecast for that. And, like, and I guess, I guess Game of Thrones didn't, like, like, change that for him because he was also in the station agent, Mm -hmm. um, which I think that predated Game of Thrones, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. It's a great movie. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, and he's great in it and everything. But I love the visibility that Game of Thrones gives to, like, to him as a performer. And it's not, like, people aren't saying, like, oh, 
Peter Dinklage is a great like little person actor or anything. It's just like he's like it's you know he is completely independent of of that uh, characterization, I guess. Yeah. Um, he was yeah. Uh, he was in that movie Find Me Guilty with Vin Diesel. Okay. Uh, he played a yeah. It was it's a pretty solid movie actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I mean he's not. I don't know if that character in real life, that person in real life was actually a little person or not, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like a part of that character. He just, okay. I don't even think it was actually mentioned wow. in the movie at all. Um, which I found entertaining. He was also really good in that too. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> my reaction was like, well, fuck me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, just he's, he's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone does after oh yeah this, after after game of thrones me too um but to get back to the episode so after he's freed like if we're following this particular uh, subplot um we get the the moment in the episode where i like yelled at my screen like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> uh the big like you you would argue the the big like defining duel of of the entire series uh, Jamie Lannister versus Euron Greyjoy. Yeah. Fuck everything about that. <laughs> I know that was so stupid. I I hated it so much. Um, I didn't. I didn't want it. Yeah. N- I, didn't, I didn't either. There's probably a lot of people out there who did, but mm-hmm. why? Why did you want that? I would even argue that I don't think anyone really did. Really? Okay. Um, I did see. Okay, so I don't. I offhand, I don't know what uh podcast this was because I, I actually don't listen to the podcast it was just it was one of those like uh promoted posts on facebook and it was just a clip of this podcast saying that um they rationalized why or how your on Greyjoy's entire arc could have worked and it was in that scene where where they're fighting and everything and like also just like <laughs> like uh i joked earlier in an earlier episode that like okay well he's he's all obsessed about fucking the queen and everything mm-hmm. and like they even managed to get him to fucking say that again yeah. like he tells him like i fucked the queen it's like okay come on it's just it's it's really just cartoonish at this point yeah for a very cartoonish character anyway right but they fight um and like i kept thinking like there's no like, there's no way they're going to have Euron Greyjoy kill Jamie Lannister. Like, <laughs> and then for a second, I was like, are they really fucking doing this? Yeah. Um, but the final line of Euron Greyjoy is he says, I'm the man who killed Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. As Jamie goes into the Red Keep to, to be with Cersei after being mortally wounded. Um, and this podcast that had a promoted post on facebook maybe talk the thrones i think it was i don't don't know what it is um i think it was from the ringer network uh anyway um they one of their hosts said that like in that moment when they when he says i'm the man who killed jamie lannister um i believe the 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 quote that he said was in that moment i saw a completely different arc for euron Greyjoy that could have worked a lot better in that he could have been a guy who was just obsessed with the lore of Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer and had like this obsession with him to the point where he wanted, like he wanted to fuck the queen because he wanted to fuck Cersei Lannister because he wanted to be like Jamie Lannister. Oh. And like that could have been 
more compelling than what we got from yeah. Euron Greyjoy because Euron Greyjoy was just a caricature. Yeah. But I think that there is something there. So I've started a petition. Um, so, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, I thought that that would that would have been an inter- interesting angle, but it's not what we got. So move on. Yeah, I man, there's just so it was it was dissatisfying too. Mm-hmm. Like I, what I really wanted. Everybody wanted Euron Greyjoy to die. Yeah, uh, everyone. I what I wanted to see was I wanted to see Drogon via via uh, Khaleesi mm-hmm. essentially just kind of toy with him before he killed him. Like I wanted to see Drogon just dive bomb every ship in his fleet and just mm-hmm. absolutely decimate it, and then like land on his ship and kind of like toy with him before. Just like land on his scorpion and just rip it off, and mm-hmm. then just kind of just toy with him before he kills him. That would have been not even torch him, just eat him. That like, would be what, awesome. That's what I wanted to see, and I thought that would have been a much more satisfying end for for Euron Greyjoy. But same uh, here. That's not what we got. So yeah, he was yeah. just he was a he was like a Power Rangers villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just terrible. Yeah, he really was, and. I, and this is also going to and granted, okay, so I haven't watched season seven I haven't watched any of the seasons in in a, in a while since like season seven ended mm-hmm. um i also but I also feel like they're maybe because it's such a truncated time frame for the season, like a truncated schedule um I wish that there was something like an an like an interaction between Yara and Euron, like have yeah. them have some kind of thing, have her kill him. Um, yeah. Just have that happen. I, I don't understand why that couldn't be, except for the fact that they only had six episodes. Right. But, yeah. So, anyway, that's that's that plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we get... And we'll, we'll get to the bells and everything, but I want to touch on the Hound and Arya. Mm-hmm. So, the, so they, they get to the Red Keep and everything, and there's the moment where... The hound tells Arya, "Hey, you don't want to be like me. Go home. Like, leave. Like, leave here. You don't want to live a life of vengeance and everything. Just leave because you're going to die here, and you don't want to die with me, and you don't want to be like me and everything." Right. And so Arya does the uh, <laughs> what's becoming the Stark, uh, the the new Stark family motto. Uh, she's like, "Thank you, Sander." Um, echoing back to Bran saying, thank you, Theon. Yeah. <laughs> Go die now. Yeah. Um, so that was okay. Like that was good. And we'll talk about Arya in a second. Cause I want to talk about this fucking Clegane bowl, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, uh, like that was, a, that was a tender moment. I, I like that moment. And then, and then let's go into the Clegane bowl. Thing. That was a payoff they earned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. And so, I listened back to our season seven review and then our two other episodes reviewing season eight. Um, and we didn't really talk about the hype around Clegane Bowl. Yeah. Um, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's something that I couldn't care less about really in the in the scope of the show like going into season eight i'm like i'm not thinking like the hound needs to fight the mountain like this is this is an event that has to happen because frankly the uh the the kind of um fan base that is so vocal about it 
Like I've seen like on Reddit and everything, like it's a meme that they're like, oh, the hype, the hype and hype it up. It's get hype, the Clegane Bowl thing. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, really. Just, just shut up. Like <laughs> it's, and I think what it, what it comes down to is the, my reaction to that, like my kind of aggressive reaction to that is that it's just, um, it's, it's completely based on spectacle. Um, like they want to see it because they wanted to see it because, oh, it's going to be the big, the big set piece thing. No one, I don't think anyone wanted to see it because they wanted to see closure for the Hound's story arc with his, with his brother. Right. Um, because first of all, it's not really even his brother anymore. It's a fucking zombie. Right. Yeah. There's no emotional kind of connection there, but yeah. So anyway, how did you feel going into this contrived yeah contrived is a a great word for it i feel Mm. like that motivation for that character for the hound like i feel like that burned out very early on in the series burned out oh geez i didn't that was not seriously not an intended pun (laughs) (laughs) um but i feel like I, i just feel like that was such a lesser motivation throughout the entire arc of the hound's uh, evolution as a character like mm-hmm. it was it was harped on in the first season a little bit and 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 a couple seasons after that but it just once he left king's landing and was with aria it just seemed like it didn't seem like that was a primary motivation for anything he did right and because it was being humanized he right was, he was getting in touch with the, uh, his humanity and everything. right and it just wasn't it wasn't hardly ever brought up and yeah. it's just like I don't know to to the fact that he knew he was going to sacrifice himself and that was going to be the last thing he was ever going to do. Like he knew that that's the path he was leading down. And it's like, Mm -hmm. why? I don't, it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but it it was all spectacle. It was like, it was like a professional wrestling match. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, I mean, the, the visuals were literally a video game. Yeah. <laughs> they really, a, a, a side scroll Mortal Kombat style video game. They really were, but That's what I, that battle was. I will say, and this is a good time to bring up that uh, Miguel Sapochnik uh, directed this episode, mm-hmm. and I will say that this was one of the most beautifully shot episodes of the entire series. Absolutely, absolutely. Like there are there are shots, just just single frame shots that are like frame worthy <laughs> yeah and like one of those that's been going around is is the hound at the bottom of the steps seeing seeing uh his brother mm. and like <laughs> it does it is it is video game-esque but yeah. just like the imagery of that as um the dragon is flying around behind them and the fight itself was fine but uh, i do want to I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm just saying it's it's over the top. Yes, yes. Um, We also did get the... (laughs) uh, First of all, uh, Kyburn gets, uh, you know, just dispatched quickly by the mountain. Right. Um, And then Cersei... Cersei has it's been it's been uh memed online but it's uh like she does her whole like oh excuse me I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> go down these steps here right um I think one tweet was like I forgot my purse down there <laughs> um really that was that was really funny but the actual fight like okay fine obnoxious fanboys you got your wish right and yeah um I did I did really like the the line that the hound said when uh when 
the mountain took his helmet off. Uh, I, I, I really like, I really like this line where he's like, Oh yeah, that's you. That's what you really look like or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's like that's, that was really cool. That was a good line. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they fight. He, uh, clearly did not watch, uh, any zombie movies because he does not go for the head. Right. But when he goes for the head, like he doesn't work anymore. Right. Uh, we also get the callback from the mountain with his hands on the, on, on the eyes. Yeah. Like with, uh, Ober and Martel. Right. But then they, you know, yeah, the hound grabs him, pushes him out, out the, out the keep and into the fire fitting end a little on the nose. Yeah. Um, with the imagery of the fire and everything. Right. But fitting end nonetheless. How, how'd you feel as the result of the Klingane bull? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of done talking about it really. I mean, like, I, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It, it was what it was and I was fine with it, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't, I, I, I was much more interested in the humanization of the hound than I was him, Essentially committing suicide. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. But it kind of had to happen, I think. Yeah. It would have been out of character for him to not do it. Or I agree. It would have been too off, too out of left field, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Okay, so Clegane Bowl is done f- good. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Shitty halftime show. But. Yeah. <laughs> um... So let's see. Well, what should we talk about next? Should we get to the bells or? Yeah, I think so. The bell of the ball, kind of the <laughs> yeah. the meat of the episode. Yeah. So, okay. So what happens is Tyrion tells Danny, like, "Hey, don't destroy the city. If if they ring the bells and raise the gates, that means they're surrendering. So if they do that, don't do anything crazy." Um. In retrospect, laying it on a little bit thick, yeah. like projecting a little bit too much about what's going to happen. Foreshadowing much? Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it kind of, it's like, that's, I think back to the bigger moments of the series, like the Red Wedding. Like going into the Red Wedding, you know that Rob has made a deal with the phrase to where he will he will marry one of, one of Walder Frey's daughters in exchange for getting access to the bridge for the war. Yeah. Um and then they go to the red wedding because he is he is reneging on that on that arrangement and offering up his uncle uncle yeah his uncle uh Edmor Edmer instead of of Rob Stark to get married. And like Walder Frey is an old crazy crazy kook. <laughs> um and Lannisters always pay their debts and send their regards and all that. So that's what happened. And that is the situation that happened there. It's intricate. It's, it's complex. It was well concealed because you don't really know what's going to happen until the reigns of Castamere play. Yeah. Um, and you realize all the double crosses and everything that's season three season eight game of Thrones is literally Tyrion telling Danny, Hey, don't burn the city. If they, if they ring the bells and then later in the episode, they ring the bells and she, she burns the city. Yeah. Like, I I didn't feel like that was again kind of going back to kind of the 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 mantra of the uh, of this of this review. I like what they did. I didn't like how they got there. I didn't yeah. like how it happened. Um, but the the visuals though. Yeah. Holy, holy shit. Holy shit. Some of the best of the series. Yes. Um. So Danny. 
first of all, <laughs> I really like how um and and I could be snarky about her getting the jump on the scorpions on the on the boat and everything, um and completely destroying like the golden compass army and, and yeah. all the ships and everything and, and Euron's ships and everything. Um and how it's how it's way different from like, oh, she learned a lot of tactics from since last episode. Yeah. But she learned some really good tactics from the last episode. Yeah. Because she lost a dragon for that and she is out for vengeance. Like she yeah. is she is avenging her her child. And she's being much smarter about it. And she has this this fire in her to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And the moment where she where they ring the bells and everything, um, she has that moment where it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I do I take take the throne and, and rule and everything or do i quote unquote liberate this this city and destroy everything and like there was a lot of talk about her performance in that scene um because it's all all in facial expression mm-hmm. all and she's she's like in the behind the scenes stuff it's like she's looking at green screens and she's right on like a motorized kind of thing that's supposed to look like a dragon and she still gives this incredibly powerful, brief performance that says so much about about it. So I, I appreciated that part of it. Me too. Yeah. What did you think of the turn there? Um. I, yeah. It was just super predictable. You know, we all mm. we all knew it was coming, and I, I, I would have preferred that. I, I don't think they could have. I don't. I don't think they could have fully surprised us with that. There yeah. was no way to do it. And, mm-hmm. and so they, they were hamstrung by that. But I would have liked them to give us a glimmer of hope somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we got that. I feel like it was like, yeah, she's, she's just going to go completely nuts and just, she's going to go full Matt Queen. Yeah. And I don't think anyone had any doubt about that. And that, that was my issue with it. And, and, you know, the abruptness, like you said, just the mm-hmm. fact that we just jumped right into it. Um, but, so I, yeah, like I, I saw, we, we knew it was coming, but I think the, I, I think it was saved to an extent by the remarkable visuals, like we said. Mm-hmm. But the part of those visuals were the just incredible, the, the dis- disturbing destruction, yeah, and and just loss of life mm-hmm. uh, or taking of life. Really, yeah. I mean, it's essentially murder. Yeah, um, like and, and, and tens of thousands of right. innocent people. Right, and and the fact that that behavior from her inspired her army to react in kind. Mm-hmm. The Dothraki went full Dothraki, mm-hmm. you know, rape and pillage, and, and even some of the Northmen and the Starks yeah. took, took took part in that as well. And that was that added to the disturbing nature of it. And I appreciated that. Okay. I, fi- I think they captured that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Very, very well, actually. And that was a fa- highly effective for me. Um, just how how disturbing it was and how, you know, mm-hmm. war is hell. And like we, 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 it, it's been grandized in the, in the show mm-hmm. for dramatic effect and to great dramatic effect. I've loved yeah. it. The battle of bastards is fantastic, but it's, yeah. they, they threw this in because it's this, this went beyond war. This was, this was like a genocide. Yeah. You know? And it's, it, it felt that way. It, it really did. And I'm glad you said that about her armies just turning yeah. uh at the drop of a at the drop of a hat because on one hand like like my kind of reaction to that was 
I felt like that that moment where like Grey Worm goes like jumps off of of uh jumps things off and slaughters the you know defeated army mm-hmm. and the Dothraki joining in the Unsullied all that um like you said even the, like okay one of the uh, I've been I listened to um the podcast a cast of kings which reviewed each episode everything and everything um and joanna robinson over there who she like she writes for vanity fair and like like i don't follow a lot of like the the like journal like the reporting of game of thrones and like the the reviewers and everything and the recappers and everything but joanna robinson is someone who has lived and breathed game of thrones for like 10 years Mm -hmm. and it's like it's just the the amount of work that she did covering the show uh, across several podcasts and in writing for vanity fair is like incredibly admirable like so yeah um i doubt she'll listen to this but good job Um, (laughs) but she mentioned that uh she she said that she was a hundred percent convinced that the reason why the northerners joined in on the fighting was because the show wanted to make sure that they didn't just have like the minority oh. warriors rape and pillage uh, an innocent town. That's a good point actually. Yeah, it really is. And I'm like, okay, I can I can I can buy into that too. But uh, the moment when the tide turns and everything goes into destruction mode and everything and the unsullied and the Dothraki are fighting and and slaughtering countless people like that was a moment where i was like i like i really bought into the fact that okay this is this is crazy danny and everything and that's what the moment where i realized that like like this whole time she has been positioned as like a just and fair ruler which a lot of time, a lot of people that were defending the the character turn brought up that like, okay, well, y- y- sure, but she also, you know, hung a lot of like, uh, like I think slavers in Marine, like publicly crucified them and stuff. She burned, uh, the slave owners and and Carth and everything, and she's like, she's she's done these things under the guise of being like, oh, just and fair and everything, but it's like also pretty brutal and yeah. and crazy. But at this moment, I was like oh shit she it's not like she's like it was the kind of realization dawned on me that it's like she's not this she's not a ruler like she's not she's not like someone who like she doesn't have like the armies that she has with her are not like trained and loyal like like um warriors and everything they are the unsullied they are the dothraki they are carnage they're 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 kind of um what's the word i'm looking for they're brutal like their their whole thing is that they're savage. brutal and savage yes um which is also kind of a shame that they're all minorities right um but in the in the realm of the show like that's what they are and that that turn is like oh shit like this isn't this isn't like oh this powerful ruler commanding an army it's like this powerful r- ruler who has been possessed by this power uh bringing in just savage rape and pillaging into a city. Yeah. And, and I think one piece of context you have to take to heart with her actions is that King's landing sort of represented, it was sort of a symbol for the, 
the the usurping of her of what her family and her lineage achieved because mm-hmm. the Targaryens were largely responsible for the greatness that is King's Landing, right? And it was usurped and taken away from her, and it stood as the symbol for decades of her her family's embarrassment. And when she's finally there and she sees how these people were, you know, prospering and living making their own culture and had this Mm -hmm. great city all built on built on the idea of usurping what her family built Mm -hmm. you know it's that imagery i think you know i don't think it's ever explicitly said in the show or anything but i think that's something you can you can intuit from just Mm -hmm. the story and the history that we all know it's you know i think that was a real factor in in her literally standing over that symbol mm-hmm. with her finger on the trigger. Yeah. You know, I, and like usurp, like them usurping that and, in creating their own thing. And also by contrast, also essentially erasing just her history, her heritage right. from that. Right. Uh, totally, totally. It was all written off, you know, yeah. her, her family's lineage was written off because of one bad apple or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mad King. And it's, that's what her family name, name is synonymous for, but really, they built this city and, and they built this city on rock and roll. <laughs> um, no, but they, nice. you know, that was it. That, that is, that is a product of their King's landing is a product of their hard work and their mm-hmm. achievements. It's, it's, it's supposed to be their achievement. It's supposed to be her achievement. And it was taken away from her and just, instead of trying to take it back, she wanted to destroy it. And I can, yeah. I don't think it's right but I understand why she felt the way she did and why she re- wanted to react the way that she eventually reacted. It's I'm not defending it, but I understand. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I'll, that's how I'll say it. So. Sure. Um, um, there was, um, an incredible thing on online that I'll, I'll share with you what I believe is a link to it. And I mean, you, you don't need to watch it now or anything, but just have it in your messenger. But, um, mm-hmm. basically it is the scene where the bells are ringing and Danny makes the turn and decides to decimate King's Landing. But, uh, the soundtrack was replaced by ACDC's Hell's Bells <laughs> and it fits so well. That's awesome. Like it is, it almost recontextualizes the, the energy of it to be kind of, um, a quote unquote banger. Um, <laughs> but like it's just, it's incredible. It's so, it fits so perfectly. I can see that. Um, yeah. So I, I just sent you a link and I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. Nice. But just really cool, um, mashup there. Um, yeah. So go ahead. Well, to kind of wrap up this episode, mm-hmm. how did you feel about the whole fo- following Arya through this destruction and then the, the final end where she hops on a horse and gets out of town? I, in the moment, like this is a moment where I wish that we were able to meet up and talk about just this episode because mm. having the finale in context uh, to can, kind of contextualize everything in, in the bells is kind of going to damper the conversation a little bit for me. Okay. But in the moment, I, first of all, I thought it was just 
gorgeously done. Like just right. really, really thrilling and terrifying. Good practical and visual effects. Yes. Yeah. And the way that she interacts with like that woman and, and the little girl um, and tries to save them, but then they get burned alive. Mm-hmm. Like all of that was just really incredible. And I thought that the focus on her was to, I had a theory. So I thought that the way that the, the reason that they were focusing on her was that she was, this is her, this is her becoming less of just a trained assassin and more of a like, like, oh shit, this is like a sense of, like, I don't need to go kill people off of my list because like, this is actually like a, this is a, this is something that I need to, I need to kill Danny for this purpose. Like, I thought that they were shaping it up to where she was going to go to try to kill Danny. Right. Um, so did I. Yeah. And the white horse thing, like, view, beautiful imagery, no idea why. Yeah. Especially in context of the finale. Like, when I saw it in, in the moment, I thought, like, okay, that's, that's incredible imagery because it is reminiscent of, I think it's from Revelations, but I know it from, uh, Johnny Cash, uh, when the man comes around. Yeah. Uh, behold the pale, pale horse and, uh, the man who wrote him or whatever was death and hell followed with him. Mm. I thought like that was the show visually communicating that, okay, Arya is going to go and she's going to go after Danny. And that's like, she's going to do that. And I had this theory and I am so not upset or anything, but like, I'm, I wish that it would have gone this way and I'm going to have a petition and everything for it. But, um, (laughs) basically my thought was that they were, they were, going to set it up to where she is now going out. She's going to go after Danny to kill Danny uh, because she knows that Danny is pure evil now. And like Danny cannot live having done what she's done. And I was so convinced that the reason that like, like what was going to happen was that since Arya for arguably one of the first times I maybe uh, is now consumed by a noble purpose to to kill rather than like vengeance or or you know a sense of you know familial obligation or what have you. This is justice. This is it's justice. And right. I thought that like I thought what they were going to go for was that I thought that like the conclusion of Arya's arc was going to be that she was going to go after Danny for a noble cause to kill her, but end up getting killed in the process, mm-hmm. just like Ned who was like the most noble person of the seven kingdoms right. who got killed because he was trying to uncover like the truth mm. and do something that was right. That's interesting. Yeah. And like, yeah. I felt like that would have been a great way to, to, you know, connect everything like that, those, that character arc for yeah. me at least. But to be completely honest, and this is dipping into the next episode, which we're about to get to, but it's, there's no payoff to that. Not there's, at all. There's no, there's nothing. It makes you wonder why they even did that. Yeah. For the end of the episode, like, what was the point of it? Yeah, and there's a lot in the finale that that kind of has that stink to it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I've kind of sat with it, um, it that could be just because I've stopped bathing. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I take showers, guys. Um, anyway, um, any parting thoughts on the bells before we move on to the finale? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean. Like I said, I, I was fascinated with the plot, and I enjoyed the plot, mm-hmm. but th- th- it should have been spread out over about five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Um, it's not like HBO was like, okay, well, you have X amount of time to tell the story. Right. Benny Offenweiss sat down, and they were like, we have 73 hours 
of the series. Like this is like at this, I think at the end of season six, they were like, okay, we have this much time. We have 13 episodes, X number of hours left in the story. Um, and like I've said in previous episodes, I think they just come either a completely misjudged how much time they needed mm-hmm. or b completely misjudged their ability to tell the story in that time frame. Right. Because I feel like season season eight of Game of Thrones could have if like, OK, maybe it's not necessarily fair, but if they had like books to have like a roadmap to work from. That this could have been two full length seasons yes. of the show, like the first season, season eight would have been the battle for like the night, um, like the whole the the night army and everything, the war, like that would span an entire season. And then at the end, like imagine if at the end of that season you get, um, well, I, I well, okay. At the end of that season, they go toward King's Landing and everything, and then halfway through season nine, which would be all about like fighting Cersei uh, with a depleted force and everything, and people like loyalties are tested and everything. Halfway through that season, Danny destroys King's Landing, and then you get the rest of this like five episodes to really do the whole like okay, this is how we need to stop this this madness and everything. Like I don't know, but they didn't do that so whatever i agree i think each the plot in each of these six episodes mm-hmm. could have been four episodes each yeah i mean we, this this could have been 24 episodes yeah three three eight episode seasons or mm-hmm. two uh 12 episode seasons yeah yeah it, 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 it was just crazy crazy dense and mm-hmm. I, it was i'm i'm comfortable saying it was a mistake they made a mistake yeah, same here they made a big mistake and- I don't think, and like there's been talk about like, okay, well, when they started the show, they had the reasonable expectation that Martin would finish the books while the show was airing. Right. And once they got past the books, like they, like there's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily an opinion rather than a fact to say that the the writing got a little dodgy after they surpassed the books. Yeah. Um, I noticed that and I don't even read the books. Um, but that aside, like, I feel like they, um, I kind of lost my train of thought here for a second, (laughs) but I, I just really feel like they, I don't know if maybe they didn't have what it took or I don't know. Or I can, I can respect the idea of like, okay, these just from a business perspective, these two men have been show running this series that has been one of the biggest, most watched TV shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been doing this for ten years. Like, it's a it's a job as much as it is a creative kind right. of creation. Um, and sure, it's it's their legacy as much. Well, maybe not as much as George R. R. Martin's legacy, but it's it, they're a part of this legacy as well mm-hmm. and like i totally get wanting to go off and do different things yeah um but i just i feel like there was a um i feel like that if that's why they shortened it and everything like i feel like that was at the expense of creating a a more satisfactory end run of the series yeah 
Um, but yeah, final thought on the bells though, um, kind of ends with another thing that doesn't get paid off really at all is the moment where John kind of looks at Grey Worm and, uh, there's a, there's a moment and then there's another moment in the Iron Throne, but, um, there's a moment where he looks at Grey Worm and then like, he starts like fighting off someone and then Grey Worm's like, okay, he's, he's, he's still cool. So we'll fight. Like, like, like he's, it kind of felt like they were setting up some final, uh, altercation between Grey Worm and John. Yeah, a little bit. And again, like like Arya, that is not paid off in the least. No. Um, but anyway, that's the bells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the series finale of Game of Thrones. Tiny plot summary courtesy of IMDb. In the aftermath of the devastating attack on King's Landing, Daenerys must face the survivors. Yes, and this episode was written in and directed by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Um, this finale was, overall, I left it feeling satisfied with the end of it. I, I thought, like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm okay with it, but also after not being as hot on this season, and even like since really it's been since uh Jon Snow died. Um ever since then cuz he was so hot. Um <laughs> no. Um ever since they killed him <laughs> off I <laughs> I felt like I felt like that was the moment where the the show took kind of a turn because like it's presented like back then in like what was it season five I think mm-hmm. um, the finale of season five it's presented as like this big huge moment and it's supposed to be like oh my god this major character just got killed people on the internet were speculating like stalking Kit Harrington in the off season saying like does he have long hair like is he gonna be back yeah. or anything and I'm just sitting there like duh like he's gonna like he's gonna be brought back to life somehow because. Mm. He is the only character with a meaningful arc at Castle Black. Um, and it's just, there's like, it didn't feel like it was a final moment for that character. Um, and just ever since then, it's been kind of like those big moments. There have been great moments in the series, but like also there have been a lot of moments where I just didn't feel as affected by it as I have in seasons past. Like, um, the Hodor scene. I mentioned this in the review of season seven, I believe. Um, the Hodor slash hold the door. I felt a disconnect with people's reaction to it because I felt like, I mean, it was cool. It was, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was an, it was a very shocking, um, resolution to, a a major character and everything, but it also felt like it was kind of not cribbed from lost, but it felt like it was something that I would have seen in lost. And that's no mistake because the director of that episode directed several episodes of lost Hmm. and it just felt like it felt like the show lost its luster. So, um, yeah. So going into the finale, uh, I don't know where I was going with all, uh, what did you think? Let's talk in broad terms. What did you think of the series finale of game of Thrones? Because, we talked online today and we decided to leave it uh, for the podcast. So right. how'd you feel about the series finale? I, as I stumbled through that, I was overall satisfied, but I have some issues. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, overall satisfied again with the plot. I, I think some things could have been done differently that could have possibly been better, but like, I'm not trying to say like, we'll get into specifics, but like, uh, 
there some characters took some actions that I wish other characters would have taken. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I, like I said, like I said, in about the last episode, I was satisfied with the plot. Like this was the direction they took things were satisfactory and they were fun. And I was surprised by some stuff, but it, again, it was all about the execution. Like this uh, talk about crammed. I mean, there's so much yeah. stuff in this episode that should have been spread out. Like you said, after, I think you said, uh, speaking and talking about the last episode, uh, mm-hmm. the bells, um, it would have been cool to see Daenerys like attack King's Landing and burn it to the ground and then have like five episodes where we're yeah. dealing with the aftermath of that. That's, but we have one, right. <laughs> one episode and it's just unbelievable yeah. what they had to cram into this episode. And it was a freaking whirlwind as a result mm-hmm. of that. And, and that's not, that's not really what I wanted. I wanted I wanted to sit with with all these decisions and and all this plot. I wanted to sit mm-hmm. with it and have it built up and it it just unfortunately really wasn't. Yeah, and I I think my biggest issue with the finale is I didn't I didn't mark the times for this, but I feel like it was paced really peculiarly. Um I feel like the big moments of the episode were rushed. Okay, I'll just say it. Uh, John killing Danny happens, I want to say, like, it had to have happened in like 25, 25 30 minutes. to 30 minutes into, yeah. into an hour and a half long episode. Right. And then it felt like after that, everything else is, arguably everything else is denouement. Yeah. Like, everything is just putting everything into place for, like, their, like closing down arcs for every character Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is in more broad terms i feel like that itself is a disservice to what the show and the story of a song of ice and fire is in concept and in previous seasons because this is a show that is so entangled with conspiracy and um and betrayal and deceit and murder and shock and um just crazy stuff and we get uh, we get um, uh, John killing Danny and then Dragon leaving and Drogon leaving after melting a chair and then after that it's like okay we're closing up the series it just felt like just it felt clunky and awkward yeah um but to talk again about the imagery in the series. Yeah. Um, qualms about the last few seasons aside, this is one of the most visually beautiful series I've ever seen. Without question. And that we may ever see. Yeah, yeah. Um, depending on how much money Amazon throws into the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but just jaw-dropping. Yes. Like, the whole... Um, there's a, there's a gift that's been floating around that's just and I was just gobsmacked by it. the scene where Danny is walking, uh, walking onto like the platform to address the soldiers, yeah. and you see Drogon's wings like that are just right behind her, and it's like mm. perfectly showing that. There's a great meme <laughs> that's like uh, people are celebrating Game of Thrones uh, for this, like Catherine Hardwick didn't do this in Twilight, and there's a picture of <laughs> Robert Pattinson with like like uh like butterfly wings or something behind him oh as, as like it's really goofy and silly <laughs> um yeah but yeah that those scenes of her st- essentially celebrating her triumph mm-hmm. were like i 
it looked so practical. Mm-hmm. It looked like they had they destroyed a literal city. Yes, and she was standing there amongst the ruins, addressing mm-hmm. thousands of her soldiers. Yes, that's what it seriously looked like. I was like, this doesn't even look like CGI, right? Even though I know it has to be, but I was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, th- that was visually incredible. I, I loved her. The giant Targaryen banner. Yes. I feel like so much of the banner work throughout the whole series has been pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what everyone's sigil is, and you, yeah. know, you see dire wolves and flayed men and, and things like that. And you get it, but it's, you know, it's, it's about bannermen and it's banners hanging from, from ramparts a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this was like, this was more than a banner. This was like I don't know. It just felt like such a um, such a symbol, uh, and, and it, it was funny because it was black. Like the uh, the the banner was black with a mm. red a, the red three headed dragon on it. Um, I don't know. It just it, it was just really stark symbol symbolism. Uh, mm. Pardon the pun, right? Um, but uh, just very yeah. I I don't know. It was very um. I feel like that that ju- that just really jumped out to me, and I yeah. thought it was such a cool creative choice to have that giant banner mm-hmm. like we've never seen throughout the whole series, just covering everything with like black death. I don't know, it yeah. was super super symbolic and mm-hmm. and just jumped out at me. Yeah, and for a show that has so much, it's steeped so much in like medieval history and um, kind of taking taking a lot for a lot of cues from from like olden days <laughs> classic fantasy yeah and and yeah. particularly like medieval like lore right um to see that type of imagery which harkens back to like like nazis and the third reich and everything yeah um also even go even farther and and uh or um long like much longer ago and even farther away uh the first order <laughs> in, um, um uh wow what was the first the first sequel <laughs> Um, what the Force Awakens? Yeah. Oh yeah, the for- uh, yeah. yeah, the Force Awakens. Um, but yeah, it it just it it had that vibrance to it, or not vibrance, but like that, uh, fear. Yeah, it. like right. it, it it made you fearful, and like hearing her speak in uh, Dothraki about how they've liberated uh, the people of King's Landing, and they're gonna go and they're gonna uh, liberate um. Uh, liberate the rest of the realm from from west uh, from from Winterfell to Dorne. Um, there was I I can't remember. There was like a, a funny tweet that uh, someone posted and said, um, like John during uh, during Danny's Dothraki speech, uh, gibberish gibberish uh, Winterfell, and then John is like, wait what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that moment was one of the kind of one of the most impressively shot moments i think yeah um definitely. and then yeah and then we got Tyrion coming in and he's all like hey uh you just destroyed a city uh i quit uh, i quit yeah, <laughs> yeah. tendered his re- resignation right um and just <laughs> uh i got to say Tyrion Lannister is like the mvp of being captured but not killed. <laughs> yes. Um because my god. Yeah. Um but yeah, and okay, so then he's taken away and then Arya comes up and he she's talking to John and she's all like, "Oh hey, you know, this is all crazy and stuff." And 
that's pretty much it. Like, like she, and she just leaves. Like, yeah. I think he tells her to leave or something, or she's like, "I'll wait for you by the gate or whatever." And I'm just like, "What was the point of like the right. stuff seated in the end of the bells?" I don't get it. Like, I, I really, it did not connect. And it would have been so. That was what I mentioned at the beginning of talking about this episode is that I, there were other characters that I wish would have done other things. And like you said, I, I would have liked to have seen Arya kind of be, you know, the, the prince who was promised prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to see her kind of basically kill, kill Danny and, yeah. and take her out. And that way John could nobly ascend to the throne mm-hmm. as Aemon, Aegon, what's Aegon, Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. Um, that that would have been satisfying and mm-hmm. and interesting. I think that would have been a frankly kind of a better route to take, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I I hate to I don't know because I we'll get to it later. But I was pretty satisfied with the way the throne where, where the throne ended up. I guess. Yeah. Um. But like I I think that even though it makes sense that John would become the king, and it's like that's the obvious thing that's going right. to happen. It still would have been. So satisfying to see because his character was so good. Yeah. His character has been so satisfying over 10 years hmm. that he's kind of earned it, even though he doesn't want it. Right. Like the audience, we've earned it, not, yeah. not him. You know, that's kind of how it felt. And, and, and I'll jump ahead to something because, uh, one of the, one of like my favorite parts about this final season of Game of Thrones is that, uh, friend of the show, Robert in Utah, he um like he's he's a huge fan of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and he is one of the uh he's he's uh, he's one of the like fans of the show who has who has really been into this season, which is great. And like uh, like after just about after every episode, he'll DM me and be like, "Hey, what did you think of this?" And like he'll like we'll have a conversation, and it's really it's been really um. I get not eye opening, but like it's it's really helped me form formulate more of my opinion of the show because it's not, like I could have just shat on the season yeah. and dismissed it like a lot of people did, but right. having that kind of angle where I'm seeing like the the positivity of of someone's reaction is is has really helped. But he did um uh he he shared with me a. Uh, this this screenshot of this post that people are kind of making it go viral that um i'll I'll talk about it in depth later after we go through more of the plot stuff and everything but one of the parts of it is that uh john snow is a targaryen john snow is revealed as a targaryen and uh I don't know. I'm kind of going all over the place but uh for no for no reason or whatever. Right. And like okay, um, I kind of like I can understand where they're coming from with that. Like a lot of people were upset that he didn't become the king, right? Um, and I can understand that because um, his story. Like okay, I'll ju- I'll just read what I wrote to Robert. <laughs> um, uh, the fact that John is a Targaryen it did serve a purpose in that it brought brought loads of tension into the relationship between him and Danny, so it served that purpose. But I think that the fact that it was such a big mystery from episode one makes the payoff ultimately unsatisfying for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that people were, in particular, really upset that he didn't end up as king. And honestly, I get that. Like I, I get that right. sentiment. 
Um, and I went on to say that his story and really all of the Stark's stories are stories of reluctant heroes. So making him a Targaryen who doesn't seek the throne would, would have made for him becoming king more satisfying. But the world of Game of Thrones has always been super harsh to conventional storytelling like that. And so I'm fine with where he ended up, but I think ultimately it would have been more satisfying from a narrative perspective if he reluctantly became king and then got murdered. <laughs> uh, maybe by Grey Worm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess this is as good a time as any. Uh, king Bran the Broken? Yeah. Uh, Did anybody see that coming? I don't think so. <laughs> but... I like it. Do you? I don't oh, know that's why. That's interesting. Well... There's a broader thing that I'll like that we can talk about. Okay. Um, what I'll say, one of my favorite tweets in reaction to that was a quote from The Simpsons. It's, uh, I don't remember what season. It's one of the early seasons, but it's uh, the episode Das Bus, <laughs> where the kids are on a field trip and then uh, they crash on a deserted yeah, island. Yeah, great, uh, great episode. Yeah, becomes a Lord of the Flies situation. Yeah. So the end of that episode, I want to say it may might be James Earl Jones making a voice cameo or a sound alike um saying and i'll i'll rip it and i'll put it in this uh in the audio here so the children learned to function as a society and eventually they were rescued by oh let's say mo (laughs) (laughs) and that is what kind of the tweet was like (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty funny let's make uh, like, <laughs> like and then uh the ruler of the seven kingdoms was oh let's say bran <laughs> um, that's funny yeah because it did kind of come out of nowhere yeah and i don't want to i won't get into well we already talked about the kind of lost connection that i that i made but it reminded me a lot of a certain interaction at the end of Lost that I won't give away, but just the idea of like Tyrion naming Bran as the new king or pitching the idea of Bran as the new king after uh, Sam pitched democracy and got shot down. Yeah. <laughs> you got laughed off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I thought it's, it was, I don't know, it was kind of out of... Uh, maybe not out of character for Game of Thrones, but it kind of felt a little bit like silly. Yeah, but it was still pretty funny. Like, oh, does my horse get a phone? Yeah, <laughs> like, I lost right. my horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was funny, but um, so and and then and then Bran's like, well, um, like like Tyrion's like, uh, will you would you take it? And he's like, why do you think I came all the way here? <laughs> um, and then he's like, but you got to be my hand. Finger yeah. guns, winky face. <laughs> um, and so, like, that kind of idea, like, like those two kind of unlikely people becoming king in hand, although I guess, you know, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Tyrion's resume totally qualifies him for to be the hand again. Right. But, um, but that kind of just reminded me of how certain characters ended up at the end of Lost. But I, I digress. Okay. Um, but... In that big, I'll go ahead and read that oh, um, that thing that uh, Robert showed me. Um, okay, so it was a comment that said, uh, "It's like it's like it, the meme at the top is this guy puts Game of Thrones into perspective pretty good." Uh, or, there, I this guy puts Game of Thrones into perspective pretty good. So first of all, kudos on proper grammar. <laughs> um, uh, one of my favorite things is from 30 Rock in the first episode where uh, 
uh, Tufer tells, uh, like mocks Tracy by saying, uh, by saying like, Oh, I'm doing good. Um, and then Tracy is just like, uh, super, or, uh, super, Superman does good. You're doing well to correct his grammar. Like that's, I always think of that. (laughs) So anyway, that's funny. Um, so this Nathan guy on, it looks like a Facebook comment said, uh, so Jon Snow was a Targaryen for no fucking reason. Bran became the three-eyed raven for no fucking reason. Danny did amazing things for eight seasons for no fucking reason. Prince, who was promised, no fucking reason. Everyone uh, you wanted to team up for eight seasons teams up for no fucking reason. Everyone you wanted to die died for no fucking reason. Fucking Brandon Stark, the character no one gives a shit about for eight seasons, is king. Why? For no fucking reasons. I've watched Game of Thrones since 2011 for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. So, I... Do you mind if I grab... If I, Step on this soapbox real quick. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, the rest of my response to Robert, I'll just go ahead and read it so that um, uh, just and get your read on it. Um, I I continued to say I will give them that Brand becoming the three eyed three eyed Raven just to end up as king bothered me since season five. He's been so weird and not Brand. <laughs> And he's been he's been like the dungeon master in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. He's not participating in the action, but he's guiding it with his kind of omniscient eye, uh, which, if handled better throughout the end of the series, could have been more compelling than it was. But naming him king is kind of weird since he has said he'd never be lord of anything when talking about being the lord of Winterfell. So, and it's just he's talked so much about being oh, I'm the three eyed raven now. I'm not I'm not Bran Stark anymore. Um, and then to kind of address the comments about the prince who was promised, like in, uh, uh, so I, my understanding, I don't know the lore, the, the prophecy itself or anything, but I guess my understanding is that the prince who was promised would be, uh, this reincarnation of, of, um, a hero that would bring about the end of, of the night King and, and the white walkers and everything. Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, again, to reference Joanna Robinson on a cast of Kings, she had a pretty interesting take on it, uh, which was kind of a stretch, but pretty cool as headcanon. Uh, she said that she likes the idea of everyone finding at Winterfell, embodying the prophecy of the Prince who was promised. Like everyone has banded together to defeat the night King. And by doing that, the Prince who was promised becomes more of an idea rather than a literal human being. Hmm. But yeah, that's still a stretch, but it, it, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, and then to move on, I have just a little bit more, I promise. <laughs> uh, every, like the guy said, everyone you wanted to die died. And I said, sure, I guess. But I think there's more of an argument to be made that no one who died died unexpectedly. Like there was no red wedding betrayal or Joffrey poisoning in the season. Uh, Varys gets executed because he was conspiring to kill Danny and give the throne to John. That is all communicated to us up front. So it wasn't a surprise. Uh, Masande gets killed. And that's kind of surprising, but it also had a ton of preamble uh, leading up to it. And by the time it comes, it's pretty expected. Yeah. Uh, Jamie and Cersei are trapped, and Jamie is already mortally wounded, so it's not a shock when they die. The more shocking moments, however, were plot advancing, like Arya killing the Night King, Danny destroying King's Landing. Um, and in a show that really made its name in a sense, killing off characters suddenly and shockingly when they still have stories and arcs left to tell, it's kind of jarring to see the show actually fulfill story arcs instead of killing major characters off. And those story story arcs don't mesh with people's expectations. So that's why they get doubly aggressive about it. 
Um, and then I just, this is the last part, I promise. Uh, then I just put, that's kind of why I hate the way Twitter and social media has damaged pop culture discussions. Yeah. Um, because people can make that comment go viral as if it is some defining criticism of the show. But all it is, is these things happened. And instead of articulate, articulating why I didn't like the way they happened, I'm just going to dismiss it without elaborating on it. And so like, like the end of like that comment was, I watched Game of Thrones since 2011, all for fucking nothing. It's like, really? Like, right. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> like, okay, we lambasted the ending of How I Met Your Mother, which, obviously, much smaller scale show. Right. Um, that ending did not ruin the series for me. Yeah. Um, even though, like, that ending is intrinsically retconning the entire series, in a, in a sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, what do you make of all like, talk now <laughs> well yeah i think for no fucking reason is an over is an over mm-hmm. it's an exaggeration yeah uh, in, in a lot of those uh reasons they gave there mm-hmm. um i i agree pretty much with what you said and, and and i think again that 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 reaction that you just read is a mm-hmm. that exemplifies modern pop culture reaction and it's 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 huge hyperbole, mm-hmm. just hyperbolic as can be. Like there, it's just like it's so frustrating that people can't enjoy the journey anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like I I I will in a few years time or whatever. I want to rewatch this series. Mm-hmm. I want to see it again. I haven't. Yeah. Most of these episodes, I've only seen them one time. Right. And so like I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this again and seeing all these episodes in context of the entire series with mm-hmm. while it's all fresh in my mind. Uh, and so I, I just, I can't, I can't understand that. Like you said, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's like, I can't, I can't relate to what you're saying right now. Right. I just can't relate to that at all. And I think a lot of people can't because it's like, why, why does one part or one cog in a machine have to mm-hmm. ruin the whole machine? I yeah, don't. It's, that, that's not. Or I, the better analogy would be: this show is not a machine. Right. <laughs> one bad cog does not ruin the whole thing. Exactly. In my in my opinion, yeah. You know, it's it, I. I just, I don't get that sentiment. Yeah. And, and I think that's essentially what that is. It's a, it's an overreaction to mm-hmm. as what's essentially a handful of bad episodes out of seventy some right episodes. Like yes. And like, okay, so, um, I, I, like, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot and like just the internet's reaction to Game of Thrones and really anytime, more often than not, I would say, like with like the big exception being like Breaking Bad, anytime a major series ends its run, I feel like the detractors of the series finale and everything will completely try their best to demolish it with their like loud voices, just proclaiming it as the worst ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's coming from someone who had a lot of complaints with the final season and everything. But also for the last six years, we've been doing podcasts and stuff. We know how to discuss things mm-hmm. um, like the reaction of people. It's like, um, and let me try to formulate this stupid joke because I'm, I'm trying to, but I'm struggling a little bit, but um <laughs> Like, we're in an era where, like, we are living in the Twitterverse. Like, people are reacting to things immediately, loudly, trying to get their viewpoints across. But we're also, for, like, the first time in human history, we are interconnected across the globe and immediately able to discuss uh, things with... 
a large portion of the planet. Mind-boggling that that exists and everything. Like, mm-hmm. think back to even, I would say even back when, like, we were huge fans of 24. Like, I would go on, like, the IMDb message boards and everything. Because right. we didn't have Twitter or anything. Right, on our laptops. On our laptops, yes. Yeah. Or our desktops while, desktops, like, yeah. my parents were asleep. Right. Um. So, um... But yeah, and like going even farther back, like okay, the MASH finale, like people didn't have that interconnectedness and everything. Like uh big moments in like like uh who shot JR on Dallas. Like that was a huge thing that it was water cooler stuff, like the era of the water cooler thing. Mm-hmm. Now we have this vocal like echo chamber that if if the if if enough people like detract something or or, or uh, hate on something, then it's just it turns into just bickering and everything. And um and like okay, uh, um, and it's all behind yeah. the veil of the internet too. Yes, which anonymity, anonymity. Yeah, the veil of the internet. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that's what I think. That's one of the biggest contributing factors yeah is that it's 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 lost so much of our culture has lost its individualism human right. hu- humanity touch of humanity yeah it's all it's all zeros and ones behind a screen and yeah that's that's what's cheapened it so much and my whole thing is that like okay you can use this interconnectivity and this anonymity and everything to spout your vitriolic stuff when it comes to something like, oh, say, politics. But we're talking <laughs> about something serious like pop culture and yeah. media. Like, treat it with respect. Right. Um, that's ridiculous. That's that's the joke I was trying to formulate in my head. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, we're on a tangent here. Let's talk yeah. about the everything that like the big like hour long denouement of the did we even really talk about okay the death uh danny's you know right uh the big scene with that first of all it was the drop of a hat just finger yeah. snapping were there mm-hmm. that was just cr- the craziest thing about it and i was like yeah. wow we're here already okay right and it's john okay yeah uh leading up to it i did again the the visuals of like john walking up to uh, the castle or whatever, the, the base of like the red keep, um, snow is falling and everything. And then he walks up and then Drogon just like stirs awake and like, he's been concealed by the snow and everything. And just the, the way that that looked was just, just stunning. Very cool. And like that wide shot showing John standing while Drogon is staring at him. Like, it's just like the scale of that was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Drogon goes back to sleep and then in my apartment, like an idiot, um, I was like, oh, he's just a little baby. He's a good boy. He's just a little baby. He's a good boy. Did you, did you see the, <laughs> I think you, we may have, you may have shared it with me, I think. I don't know. But, um, there was, <laughs> there's a, there's a, an image that has, it says like, this is the Game of Thrones spinoff I want to see. And it's uh, Drogon with like a big ass stick in his mouth, and uh, um, uh, oh god, what is? Oh my god, why can't I think of? Oh, Ghost, uh, oh. Uh, the direwolf, uh, standing like facing him and everything, and it says Drogon and Ghost, uh, the goodest boys or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god! And I just I I love that so much. That's funny. Um, but 
so so uh john goes up to goes up to the uh throne room we get like i okay this was maybe my favorite moment in the entire episode i'll i'll be honest with you there so this is after he's had a conversation with Tyrion, where Tyrion is telling him like you you know what you need to do um because she's not going to stop at king's landing and what like you know that your sisters aren't going to bend the knee and what happens when when they don't um, and that's what kind of springs him into into action. So he goes up, and like before he reaches the throne room, we see Danny with the Iron Throne, and she finally like touches it, and she doesn't sit on it or anything. And I mm-hmm. guess that harkens back to the vision she had in season two, and I think in Karth, I think, um, where she had that vision of of being in the throne room and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Then he comes in, and at this point I'm just recapping what happened, but uh, he comes in, they have a conversation. Uh, how'd you feel about how all that went down and him stabbing her and uh, Drogon having a little hissy fit? It was just so fast because before that we had this, we had a pretty good dialogue scene that didn't feel rush where mm-hmm. he was talking to Tyrion. Yeah. And that was, I felt like that was a step-by-step conversation. It was very logical. And a, a little rushed, but in the context of this season, they took their time a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and it's I, not even like they had, like, a full house or anything. Because <laughs> um, you said step by step. Oh, my God. Full house. Uh, um, we so can go they, back to being perfect strangers here. I'm sorry. God damn it. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I hate you. Um, but, like, that, that conversation, I like the way it was very logical and they, you know, Tyrion slowly comes to this he's trying to convince him of something and it's mm-hmm. just very that was a well done conversation i appreciated that dialogue and then this is like the linchpin of the fucking series mm-hmm. where john kills danny and and it i feel like their conversation was just so abrupt and quick and it was he he got there so we got to that so quickly mm-hmm. i it didn't feel it didn't feel epic in that moment, yeah. like like it should have been. Like we said, it was like 25, 30 minutes into the episode. Yeah. An hour and a half long episode. Right. Plus, like, it is also supposed to be, like, the emotional payoff and shock or whatever of their their love story. Like, mm-hmm. the story of John and Danny, which... If you go back to our season seven review, I have had a problem with from the jump because I yeah. never bought them as a romantic couple. Right. Because it felt like they were rushing to get them together and it didn't yeah. feel earned in season seven. And then in most of season eight, they're at odds. Right. And it's like, again, if they had, if they had split up this season, the story, the story arcs of this season into two full length seasons had two seasons worth of development of that relationship and really showcase that you know they were in love then it would have had more impact and more feeling to it but we don't have that it's just yeah because benioff and weiss chose to uh you know have x number of hours um we were kind of not given that i feel like in season seven i actually appreciated their relationship and i could I, I was on board and I could I be, I believed it and I think I think Amelia Clark and Kit Harrington sold it really well. Oh yeah. Like I think their performances really mm-hmm. really elevated that. And that's how I was I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. I'm I'm cool with it. And I think I think you're right that it could have been done better mm-hmm. and it, it 
you know, during this season, it was, it didn't feel, it didn't feel good at all. But, um, initially I was on board and I think they did a good job. Um, but I remember yeah. that you, you were really into season seven. I was, I remember that I was a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, it, it was good then. And I feel, I, I agree, but I agree with what you said that this season, it was something was off. Yeah. And, and I feel like, but at the same time, I, I give a lot of credit to primarily Kit Harrington, but also, Amelia Clark that mm-hmm. once he found out that he was Aegon Targaryen anytime there was intimacy between them he was very stiff and awkward yeah. and it felt wrong to him and I feel like mm. that was all that sentiment was it crescendoed in the moment where he tells her he loves her and that she will always be his queen yeah. and they kiss mm-hmm. and that is the most awkward kiss yeah. I've ever seen and and, and I, I mean that as a credit to them right because it should have been because he's mm-hmm. about to murder her right and 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 it felt he does love her but it's not it's not the you know the love that he had before the, right all this you know there's a little bit of physicality there before sure. it's it that's gone and and it's it's unfortunate, but you can see it mm-hmm. pouring off of them in their, and most specifically Kit Harrington's body language mm-hmm. during that scene. And I really appreciated that performance in that moment. I wasn't crazy about how quickly it was going and just right. like, okay, here we go. Jesus, um, zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. And it like, I, I, I wasn't crazy about that, but I have to point out how much I appreciated his performance during that. Yeah. In, in one of the kind of, I guess not concessions I'll make with, with that, with the, with the quickness of that. But like I said, that was one of my favorite scenes of the entire episode. Maybe my favorite scene of the entire episode. And it was, yes, the acting was, was phenomenal. But I think the big point that I kind of latched onto was the dialogue, especially Danny speaking to John saying like, Hey, we did it. We liberated everything. We can, we can rule together. Um, we can keep doing this. Like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but what, like the dialogue, like what I took from that was a really, really well drawn, well written scene in which you have this woman who is so sure of her convictions and she's so confident in that in that what she's doing is right and she it's it's played in such a way that it's it's clear to us as viewers that she is the she is she is the tyrant that she is trying to you know overthrow and everything that she's she's the tyrant that she she is talking about um uh freeing people from but she doesn't realize that and she thinks like she has this whole thing about breaking the wheel and in her eyes breaking the wheel is destroying like like quote unquote liberating people by murdering and and ruling by fear and creating a new world and everything and i really bought the idea that she believed that she, what she was doing was still just and right um so even though they quickly like turned that uh, even though they, they quickly turned, like, like, they rang that bell, um, <laughs> and turned, turned that character over into that part of her, uh, mind, it was sold really well, especially in the scene, because it is demonstrating that she, like, it is, it is really great writing and that she doesn't, she doesn't see that she is a monster and she isn't playing it as someone who is, like overcome with this monstrosity. She's still Danny, but she has this just really skewed perspective on things. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. She's like delusional. 
Yes. Yeah, she sold that well, I think. Yeah. And uh, so then Drogon comes in, and one of the one of the kind of snarky tweets that I saw <clears throat> that I, I got a kick out of was, uh, okay, so Drogon has more um, has more of an understanding of symbolism, or or like, are we supposed to believe that dragons ha- understand complex symbolism in the show? Because instead of killing John, he destroys the the throne, mm-hmm. um, and like kind of the ideas that he destroys the throne because he recognizes that this this object consumed Danny and brought her like brought about her death in an indirect way. Um, and then another really funny, uh, tweet that I saw was, um, uh, like they were deci- they were trying to figure out if it was, uh, if they were, if, uh, Drogon saw it as a symbol of what killed his mother, or he just saw that she was stabbed and, he, and he decided to destroy the big stabby looking, uh, throne. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, funny. but what did you make of all that? How did you feel about that turn? Um, yeah, I thought, I didn't think a lot about it really. I just, um, I thought it was an interesting choice. And it, mm. again, the imagery was very, uh, potent. Mm. And, and I, and I liked it from that perspective. But I don't know, I didn't really have, a. I just didn't have much of a reaction to it, really. Okay. I don't know why. Um, but I, I've been operating under the impression that this the show never employed a lot of like quote unquote magic, like actual. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there was much of it. You know, uh, Jon Snow got brought back to life. Oh, yeah. Some of the characters got brought back to life. There's Renly's some... death in season two. Right. With the dark shadow thing. Right. Yeah. There's there's a little bit of magic at play, but not much, really. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of the pieces of magic that I've been kind of obsessed with for whatever reason is the fact that, like, Danny was in a fire with her dragon's eggs and that's how those dragons were born mm. and she was not affected by the fire right um and like you know there's a point where she's where her brother is killed in season one mm-hmm. and she says fire can't kill a dragon right and so like basically a true targaryen can't be burned to death right and so i was sitting like in this moment i was thinking ooh, like drogon is gonna torch the shit out of John right. and he's just going to be completely unscathed because he's a Targaryen. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to see that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, but I don't know if that's bullshit. Like if like, yeah. no, he would have died. Why would you say that? Like, well, I, I saw somewhere or I may have been on another podcast or I, I don't remember where I saw it, but it's not an original thought by me. So <laughs> much like a lot of stuff on this podcast, okay. but um, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. Anyway. Um, I, someone commented that it would have been more effective if, like John confronted Danny when she was speaking to her army, and that's the moment where she like turned and was like, "Okay, well, Dracarys and had Drogon like uh, eviscerate or uh, not eviscerate, but um, incinerate incinerate him." And then that's when it's like you know he like it's revealed like oh he didn't burn up, and like that's whenever like the tide would shift and like right. everyone would start be like, "Oh, Jon Snow, yeah." Um, He's a man. Um, uh, also, at that point, he would also be totally naked, too. So, right. be like, all right. Um, but I think that would have been pretty compelling and interesting. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, then Drogon flies off with Danny's body. Um, mm-hmm. No resolution to that. But Right. Yeah. Um, then we get kind of a time jump. 
Uh, Tyrion is, names Bran the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to share that we've already talked about it, but just to, for, pospe- for posterity's sake, uh, <laughs> at Zach Ga- Galley AZ, Z, uh, basically at Z A K G H A L I A Z, uh, he tweeted, uh, kind of a back and forth between Tyrion and Bran in that scene. Uh, Tyrion, the king shall be Bran the broken. Yeah, actually, just Bran is cool. <laughs> Bran the busted up. Okay, or and then Tyrion, Bran the wheelie wheelie legs no feely, <laughs> which is so just great. ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and then another tweet that I saw was uh, just an image of Bran that said, uh, "When you can, when you don't contribute uh, to the coop project and still get an A." Yeah, that's one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. And then there was one more. Oh, the the whole thing about how I think I think it was Sansa was like, "Well, he can't bear any children." Uh, right. So yeah, and then like, like the kind of comment that's been passing around on the internet is is uh, like, all right, Bran should be the king, and then, and then Sansa, yeah, but his dick don't work. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone muttering like, oh yeah, his dick don't work. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> crazy. But yeah, um, <clears throat> what I thought was funny about that, but not funny, but um, one of the reactions I've seen to that moment where Tyrion makes his big pitch. Mm-hmm. He says people love stories, and yeah. who has a better story than Brain the Broken? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jon Snow has a better story than Brain the Broken, <laughs> yeah. without question. He was the mm-hmm. king of the night or the leader of the Night's Watch, mm-hmm. and uh, he died and came back to fucking life. Yeah, um, he's a the tr- he's been the true heir to the Iron Throne his entire life and didn't know it, mm-hmm. and. He's the won the Battle of the Bastards. I mean, he's got a way better story yeah. than Bran Stark. Sorry. Also, Arya also has a much better story. Yeah. <laughs> um, she killed the Night Queen, Night King. Right. Um, and she's trained her whole life for like that moment and to be an assassin and everything. And she's Bran was literally carried around for seven <laughs> seasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, but what my I said earlier, I was pretty happy with that it, yeah what not necessarily that bran became king mm-hmm. what satisfied me so much is that the starks mm-hmm. kind of rule the world sort yeah. of like like obviously there's essos and easteros and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff like those areas over there are kind of up in the air or whatever but the seven kingdoms are ruled by the starks yeah and john the the I'm not trying to jump ahead, but you know, mm. he takes off into the northern right into the north to it's imply cu- that he's gonna be the pretty king much beyond the wall. Right, be the king beyond the wall. And mm. Arya is, you know, the captain of the ship. She's yeah. kind of Christopher Columbusing it. And yeah. which uh I was kind of proud of this stupid tweet that I had, but it was uh, uh Arya in the finale and it was just a gif of uh Jack Sparrow on the yeah. um on the uh uh Black Pearl and uh it says like, all right, bring me the horizon or yeah. whatever at the end of uh, Curse of the Black Pearl. <laughs> but anyway, but this yeah. like because the Starks got their asses kicked for mm-hmm. seasons and they were apart forever and their family was just completely <clears throat> destroyed. Yeah, and to see them essentially ascend as high as possible, yeah, on so many levels was incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. Again, I I wanted to ultimately. Seasons ago, I was like, I want to see Danny's, I want to see Daenerys win, win right. the throne. I want her to rule the Seven Kingdoms. That's what I want to see. Since she went cray cray, right? I was like, well, John, I want to see that's 
just an incredible story mm-hmm. and the, just remarkable. I would love to see that come to fruition. And so that's what I ultimately wanted, but I am so strangely satisfied with the Starks being on top. Okay. Because they were yeah. just wrecked for so long in the mm-hmm. story, and to see them literally rise as high as they possibly could mm-hmm. is very satisfying um, for I their agree. characters. Like, like that's that's kind of what I was meaning when I said that overall I was really satisfied with how things ended up. Yeah. Because it is... Uh, I mean, it's in contrast to what Game of Thrones has been for most of its run, but it's it's a happy, fulfilling ending for right. the characters that we love. And like, it's kind of, it's something that I, I'm kind of wrestling with just a little bit, just because on one hand, it's like, okay, I'm so used to the show just pulling the rug out from under my feet. Like, is it like, is it, is it, uh, is it in keeping with the tone of the series that these characters survived and live, lived happily ever after? Or is it, or is it, as satisfying as my initial reaction is that okay, these characters that I love are happy and they they have they have created they're they're in like all of these characters like not just the Starks like all the characters that lived are now creating the like not perfect government but like they're creating like a world where they're going to actually rule and and be happy and they're not going to play these shitty Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Games of Thrones, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I, I'm, <clears throat> I I like, and I was overall satisfied with how things ended up. Mm-hmm. The kind of council scene, um, I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um. Well, I thought I thought it was cool. It was good. Um, Braun. I love Braun. Yeah. And I love his his lines in that in that scene. And I I, I just I, I I he's he's great. Um, and he got high garden, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I've got to say, I really hate everything that happened with him in this season. Like the two yeah. scenes we had with him were just completely, um, completely like I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say they were for fucking nothing, but <laughs> they were completely without payoff or any kind of, um, it was just a loose thread that was thrown in when the show could have just completely excised that and, you know, focused its attention on something else that could have been more interesting, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, th- there was something I was forgetting for a second. Um, oh, Brienne, uh, yeah. writing in the, in the book, the burn book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All the memes are great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great. But I, I thought that that was really touching. I, yeah. I was really, Really happy with that, and I, I didn't really understand. Is she like what's? Why is she able to write in that book, or was is that her responsibility now? Like, what's her title? Like, what is she? Um, if, well, if the internet is to be believed, it's a Wikipedia contributor. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think uh, she's a knight now, and she's. I, I think that. I don't think there's anything to really dig into it as far as like a title for like okay. her doing that. But gotcha. um, yeah, um, I did laugh out loud somewhat derisively um, at a couple of scenes. First, let's go back to, I forgot to mention this. Um, this will be brief when Tyrion is proposing that Bran be King, like that whole scene, like, okay, I haven't really talked about it on the podcast, but Something that kind of stuck in my craw throughout this this whole season 
is the conversation online about like, oh, who will win the Game of Thrones? Like, who will win the throne? Like, the hashtag for the throne was thrown around, no pun intended, thrown around. Mm -hmm. And like, it's in the marketing for the season from HBO. And like, I feel like that, I feel like that is way oversimplifying everything about the series. Yeah, Yeah. Um, because like it hasn't, like it's never really been about like oh who's going to rule over the seven kingdoms um to me at least like it's been about like oh all of the shit is going down all of these interpersonal conflicts and everything the heartache the 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 pain of everything um but now it's like everyone's saying like oh who's going to win like it's a like it's a fucking basketball game right like oh who's going to win the throne um but i paused and laughed because I had, that was just my gut reaction because I was so in, kind of annoyed when Tyrion was literally like just okay pick any mini mini mo who who gets to be king yeah um, when he's a prisoner <laughs> and like it's I don't know but um, I like I the the um, the uh, um, comparison I drew is like it's really gonna fucking come down to like. Like Tyrion being like the bachelorette handing a rose to one of the one of the people <laughs> to be king. Like, is that really what's fucking happening in the show? Oh boy. Um. So that kind of bugged me. But, um. Uh. So yeah. So that anyway. Um. Yeah. So I. That's it. <laughs> okay. The council scene. There was something I was going to connect that to, but I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. I. I really like the. Um. The closing shot, though. Yes. Um, of, I, I, I know that wasn't really expected. I, I wasn't sure what John was going to do, but I think it's funny mm-hmm. how he's, he has been very strictly a duty driven character. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he fell in love a few times. Right. Uh, and those were huge moments for his character, but he chose to honor his duty as opposed to mm-hmm. his, what he was, how he felt, what he was, right. in love, you know, and, it's so funny that he was, you know, had this new responsibility thrust on him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to go lead the Night's Watch or whatever. And literally, as soon as he gets there, he's like, yeah, fuck that. And just leaves. Yeah. I thought that was, like, perfect for I, his character because he's just earned the shit out of yeah. that to do what he wants to do. Yeah. You know? I saw a comment on Reddit or somewhere that was, like, um, something about, like, oh, yeah, he's going to go back. And, like, that's uh, it sucks that, like, he doesn't have Egret anymore or anything yeah. but someone said like well he does go back to uh to castle black and there is a sexy redhead there <laughs> Re- referring to Tormund. um uh, nice yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah i liked that and i liked how it kind of like you said it's it, um it is he's a duty-bound person and he just kind of is just like all right you know fuck the night's watch whatever i'm yeah. just gonna go and live with the free folk and that's like that's a good like kind of closing to his character arc it's kind of inspirational yeah i think but the whole duty bound john again and i hate to keep harping on this would have been better if we had more time with him living with the truth of his of his heritage and his upbringing yes yeah his like if he actually felt that that was that he was duty bound to rule the seven kingdoms and like we got if we got that conflict rather than him being like like i don't i don't want i don't want it that chair looks really uncomfortable yeah. um and just like i i don't know um yeah i don't know i also found it interesting that after john kills danny mm-hmm. and you know we have that little little time jump a few weeks in the future or whatever mm-hmm. um 
it's it's basically never mentioned again that he is Aegon Targaryen, right? Which I found interesting. You know, like mm-hmm. no one was like, uh, John needs to rule, and uh, obviously I understood for political reasons that was never going to happen, right? Because you know the Unsullied and everyone was so yeah. against him and all that. Like I I understand that, um, but I and I don't even I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying I thought that was an interesting choice that that wasn't mm-hmm. even brought up again, and and I yeah I'm I'm strangely okay with it or. Mm-hmm. I just I don't really have an opinion on it. Really. Okay, it's okay. just like, kind of like okay, because um, at that point it's like okay, he's clearly not going to be king or whatever, right? Um, but I uh, there were like th- there were three moments where I stopped and laughed at the show. Um, there was one when he when Tyrion was was giving the rose, um, <laughs> and then the second one was when Tyrion tells John like we reached it like they came to a decision they're going to send you the to the Night's Watch, um, and I was just like. Like for a second, I was like, "Okay, that's just uh, that's kind of silly or whatever." Just mm-hmm. it's a silly way to kind of end that character arc. But like, I kept thinking, like the meme. Like, are you fam- you're, are you familiar with the curb your enthusiasm meme where like something happens and then like at the end of like I think at the end of every episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's a there's music that's played, uh, like on a close up of Larry David's face. It's like. Burm, 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 burm. It's supposed to be like not familiar with it. No. Okay. Well, anyway, the meme is that when something happens and like someone something happens to someone that's unexpected or that they don't want, um, it just like this music plays that's supposed to be like like a, oh it's silly or whatever or it sucks to be you kind of music. <laughs> um, and I just thought that in my head when when that scene happened because it's like oh he's got to go back to the nice watch. Gotcha. Um, and then the third time was <laughs> when. Uh, when uh Sam brings a song of ice and fire to Tyrion, yeah. I was like, okay, it's meta. sure, yeah. I, like I, I looked, like I paused it, and I was just like, okay, whatever, sure. <laughs> um, but I did think of the thing that I was going to mention earlier. Okay. Um, I saw this uh on Twitter that someone compared the um scene with the Starks when uh Arya or when. Uh, oh, when John was about to leave to go to the uh, Night's Watch and everything, and they're on like kind of that dock. Um, mm-hmm. The way that it's shot is very reminiscent to when, like, the remainder of the Fellowship in in uh, Lord of the Rings in the Return of the King are like seeing off. I think Frodo when he's going on the ship that Bilbo went on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like just the framing of that is very intentionally a reference to that, and I just I really like that kind of visual. Interesting. Homage. I, didn't, I didn't think of that, but yeah, that yeah. it really is. Yep. Hmm. Um, so, really, anything else we can talk about? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. We might have some more general thoughts when mm-hmm. we talk about the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, so um, next time on the podcast, we're going to do, or next, we, at some point in the f- near future, <laughs> we're going to do an episode where we're going to review the, uh, the documentary that's going to be, uh, airing on HBO next weekend, and then, uh, we're also going to use that as a time to kind of wrap up our feelings on the series as a whole and, and kind of, uh, say goodbye to it. Um, but yeah. And then I thought there was something. Oh, uh, the whole ghost gets, gets his pets. Yeah. That's, that's sweet. Oh, I did mention. It was cute. (laughs) Yeah, it was cute. And like, uh, that, it was cool. But the moment that ghost appeared on screen while I was watching it and just in a perfect bit of coincidence uh that exact moment was the moment when pizza emerged from my dark bedroom <laughs> and i was just like oh pizza yeah a little pizza roll um so yeah so anyway um 
yeah, how did you feel about the end of the series and everything? Uh, yeah, it's it, it was an unfortunate mistake. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was. They made a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny, it was one of the most beautiful and well-executed mistakes I've ever seen. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's not... It's not what we all wanted, I think, for the most part, and it's not. I don't think it's what we deserved either. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they 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 screwed the pooch. But um, I I'm I'm oddly satisfied with it, or yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm decently satisfied, and, mm-hmm. and I I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate it or anything like that. It's, right. You know, I st- like I I meant to say earlier in the episode. Every Sunday, I was like, "Ooh, we get, ah, another episode tonight." Mm-hmm. Even even after the past few episodes, it was like, "All right, they're just they're they're kind of tanking this a little yeah. bit." And I'm like, "They they they missed the mark pretty pretty solidly." I was still really excited for every new episode. Yeah, like, very excited. Same um, here because it's a shared experience with like pop culture and everything. Like, right. Like, with it's 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 a shared experience and it's it's a unique experience too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and just. The more I've been thinking about it after it aired, um, I'm just excited for the future of television, really, and like what this is going to mean for it. Because, like, okay, when Lost ended or was ending, network TV had a lot of um, kind of pretenders to the throne of Lost. Yeah, uh, they came out with tons of mystery shows that all were just kind of terrible. Um, I would say that Westworld is the closest that we've got to like a Lost type of show and i didn't even watch season two because i didn't really care for season one yeah but but they did air a season three trailer that actually looks pretty pretty damn cool aaron paul's gonna be in it oh nice yeah so anyway what i'm excited about is what game of thrones the legacy of game of thrones will do to the uh fantasy genre on television because we have obviously hbo is is pulling the trigger on at least one spinoff series that's going to take place thousands of years previous to the events of game of thrones and i'm really all for that because as much as i was lukewarm on the last couple of seasons there's no denying that this world the world of westeros the the universe building and the world building is incredibly dense and in in just really immaculately detailed so any chance that they will expand upon that in the visual medium of television i'm all for and i'm excited for Mm -hmm. um then we get amazon coming out with lord of the rings and that's an entire like vast thing in and of itself i'm just excited about the prospect of digging into a mythology and a world that uh is on television and then of course, um, knock on wood, uh, Dark Tower happens, yeah. <laughs> gets past the pilot phase. Yep, and doesn't suck. And doesn't suck. Um, yeah, we'll see. So anyway, it's exciting. Um, I'm excited to see what the legacy of Game of Thrones will be. And overall, I was satisfied with the with the finale, um, despite some uh, issues with how it got there. Mm-hmm. So having said that, um, that'll do it, I think, yep. for this episode of uh, The Obsessive Viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Of course, check out Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for an exclusive RSS feed with a bunch of nonsense. I actually recently put together all of the 
I basically uh, put all of the Patreon-exclusive recordings onto my uh, VLC media player thing just so I could see, like, how much time it is. Yeah. And, uh, like, it's been... I think we started that like last fall, okay. like doing the, doing the pre-show recordings and stuff. We've, I mean, there is eight, eight hours, over eight hours worth of content there. Wow. And it's like, it's fun. It's like, it's like, it's, you know, it's silly bullshit back and forth, but it's a lot of fun. And if you like hearing what we, uh, stumble through here, uh, <laughs> consider, you know, uh, checking out Patreon, uh, minimum $1 per month helps support the show and gets you tons of, uh, gets you access to tons of content. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that'll do it. Uh, final, um, kind of, uh, whore button, but check out, uh, Tower Junkies, our podcast about, uh, Stephen King and the Dark Tower series. If you are, um, feeling, like you want something else fantasy related, check out, you know, Tower Junkies. And, and I think eventually we'll start reading the Dark Tower series and talking about it, hopefully, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we'll do like a read along thing. And then finally, check out my solo podcast anthology where I'm reviewing and, uh, the Twilight Zone, the original series as a first time viewer and doing bonus episode review series of the new Twilight Zone from Monkey Paw Productions on CBS All Access and Black Mirror and other, uh, modern anthology science fiction shows having said that thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time thanks guys and now here's a short clip from our patreon exclusive rss feed to hear the full clip and more exclusive patreon content go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of one dollar per month thank you and enjoy it happen right um but we can uh we we can get the logistics worked out on that not so much yeah didn't happen yeah yeah maybe next time uh series ends right uh, we can do something like that yeah sorry guys yeah they they're cool with it i'm making a unilateral decision to (laughs) say that they're they're cool with it the obsessive viewer podcast is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com for a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash ovarchive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Feckus and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. 
And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!